You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Every time an AL East champion has won the division, they have destroyed the hell out of the Baltimore Orioles who've been tanking since 2002 <laughs> B.C.? All they do is tank, and if you can beat the Orioles, you'll win the AL East. Well, folks, the Yankees went on the first road trip of the 2022 season to face the Baltimore Orioles, lost two out of three at Camden Yards with the left field wall now conservatively 585 feet away from home plate. They could have gotten swept. That's your headline. The headline isn't lost two out of three. They didn't do anything right in longer than one inning of this series and could have easily gotten swept. So it's overreaction Monday. Have the Yankees already lost the AL East? Worth wondering. Honestly, like, not joking. I'm not saying they're not going to make the playoffs now. I'm saying they might have lost the AL East this weekend. And you all know why. And you all watched it and you all know it. So it's, I'm not breaking this news to you. I'm just telling what you already know. We're also going to talk about the reason for the season. Glaber Torres, who's caused the Yankees to start 38 different lineups in 10 games to begin the season. They've begun the season as a 500 team, by the way. Could be worse. Should be better, but we're going to talk about all that shuffling, plus all the former Yankees who've gone elsewhere this offseason. Where do they stand? Could they be helping the Bombers? Did the Yankees make any mistakes? Did the Yankees make any obvious smart decisions? The results so far actually a mixed bag and probably going to surprise you. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Along with a mailbag question, we will be more than happy to answer it. Right now, my face on this video feed is only about 85% complete, like I feel like the Yankees offseason was. It was pretty close, but not quite all there. There's, there's chunks missing of the Yankees offseason, and they reside at the bottom of the lineup. Their names are Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Kyle Higashioka. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Again, 5-5, five and five, could be worse, should be better. Seemingly the million straight year, the Yankees have finished the first 10 games at a very similar point. I believe they were – I saw they've been 5-5, five and five or worse, in 15 of the last 19 years. This is just what they do. First two series of the year against really tough AL East opponents, four and three, not bad at all, though they have not hit in any capacity. The most runs in a nine-inning game is five. That was Saturday, and that was all right after the hail delay, and never again. Four runs in that inning, one in the next. Uh, The 2021 team MVP, wild pitch, run scored, came back. Love that guy. One of my favorite players from last season. 
uh, I mean, whether it's lineup shuffling, whether it's good opposing pitching, you know, whether it's the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, this team just can't hit at all. And they're they're entering 1989 territory offensively. I came unprepared today, forgot my microphone, so I'm doing my best Yankees impression. You um, could have just I, told nobody. They would have they, they, they would have had no idea. They would have had no idea. No, but they should know because I should be held accountable for my actions, just like the Yankees should give us answers for anything. Um, I thankfully did not watch a single inning this weekend. I was away at a wedding. Um, in the Outer Banks, so I got to actually enjoy my time instead of uh, worry about what was going on with this team. Um, And I decided on my flight home uh, yesterday, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to start taking this team seriously for another five to six weeks. Why am I going to waste any breath or start throwing meaningful moments out the window for my life for this team when they're doing the same exact thing that they do every year? Last year, they started five and ten, so... Hey, I'll take five and five at this point if it means they're going to, they would have to lose five straight to start off as badly as they did last year when everybody was freaking out and how Steinbrenner had to hold a, had to hold a, a Zoom conference with the New York media. To um, blame, to blame the players, to by the way, the and bring back, bring back the same players. It, it's yep. the players' fault. They are really struggling. Look, and we're going to let them do it again. All right. We're going to do another <laughs> shot at this. Glaber Torres cannot be our shortstop next year. We've learned from the error of our ways. But in the seventh inning of a 0-0 game, that little fucker can be the shortstop. I I don't understand. And it's – look, it it goes back to as far as the beginning of last week when they punted the first game of the series against the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. You saw that lineup. You knew it was bad. I don't think we need to go through and and, (laughs) – if you want to go through and look at – to see who exactly was in it – whatever. But we – it was classic Yankees behavior. It's like why are we not trotting the best – five, six guys out there every single night. And then if we win or there's a blowout, then they get a rest the next day or they get taken out of the sixth, seventh inning of that game. Give other people some run, make it make sense. Um, But we're in the same situation now where we're seeing some of these lineup cards come out and we're very confused. Um, We're de-emphasizing DJ LeMahieu again, which also doesn't really make sense. He looks Um, great. People are getting mad at Aaron Hicks, even though Aaron Hicks is actually performing fairly well outside of his a few of his outs this year um, being very, very glaring. Um, I don't know why. Once again, I don't know why Joey Gallo is not batting seventh, eighth or ninth. He was clean up on Friday. He should never be clean up. He should never be top five. That is not what he is here for. Um, He's proven time and time again that he's not capable of that Um, slugging 143. It was. That's what it is still. God, I, I mean, does um, he have an extra base hit this year? I don't recall. I, mean, he yeah, might, I don't know. But I don't remember but it. Either way, you look at this team, five and five, whatever. Yes, the same problems from last year are persisting, and the same successes are persisting. The starting rotation and the pitching staff in general is one of the best in the league, um, which I didn't expect from the early going. I thought there would be more hiccups beyond Garrett Cole not being his his usual self. Um but it's the preparedness and the attitude. You know, you have Aaron Hicks come out this year saying they're going to be the have some fuck you Yankees. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every, yeah. We get everybody excited for um, for uh, th- this group of guys being able to put bat on ball, hit home runs. Um, we get excited about Josh Donaldson's inclusion in the lineup because he brings a different um, element from a character perspective um, to the team that, that, that they've lacked for so long. Um, and then you just Aaron judge, not in the lineup Friday. Why is that? Why are our starters not built up to pitch it deep into games in the first part of the season? When most other teams are Garrett Cole, we talked about Garrett Cole's opening day on how he was a 70 pitch count. They wanted him limited to, um, we've seen that with a couple of the other starters as well. Um, so it's a preparedness attitude issue for me. Um, and I'm hoping that's just a symptom of it being a lockout, um, Yankees trying to get back on track and get rid of the stink from last year. Um, but I'm not going to be crying about an Orioles series dropping this, uh, this early in the year. Um, this team very much still has things to work out. Um, and we can go ahead and criticize all of the offseason moves that we want. You know, Isaiah kiner Falefa being the shortstop hasn't been exactly sterling defensively and really hasn't been good offensively either. So, you're not getting any of the returns there. What What are we, 10 days into the season? Um, you're hoping that normalizes. But, yeah, the early returns are bad. Nobody's particularly feeling good. 
And it is alarming that a lot of the same issues have persisted. Aaron Boone saying, we're going to turn this around. The offense will hit the way it should hit, but it hasn't hit the way it should hit in almost two years now. Um, so I understand why people are mad, but for the sake of self-preservation, you got to just wait until mid May, late May, early June to actually make a true judgment on what this team is doing. Um, but the Yankees early behavior, it, once again, the Yankees cannot set themselves up for any sort of buffer between them and the fans. They have to start off the year with the same problems as last year, with the same problem of, um, uh, concerning comments from both the front office and the coaching staff contract issue with Aaron judge, um, same old problem with not being able to beat the Orioles, same old problem with not being able to score runs unless it's in a quick spurt. Um, runners in scoring position, another big issue. Um, I'll tune back in June and I'll start yelling about that. I'll be the WFAN guy in June. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I'm becoming older and wiser. I mean, the problem is it, it's we we all know we all know they're going to win 89 or 90 or 91 or 92 games. Like, I don't think anybody watching that Orioles series is like this is a 70 win team. Like, I mean, some people probably were, but I don't think anybody who just watched the Yankees lose two out of three of the O's and barely hit was like, it's a 65 win team. Tank is on, trade the assets. Like, it, we all know exactly what this team does. They're going to get hot in May. They're going to get hot in June. They're going to struggle in July. They're going to make one to two weird trade deadline acquisitions. They're going to rip off t- an 11 game winning streak in August. They're going to struggle in September, right as you think they're peaking entering the playoffs. They're going to struggle entering the playoffs. They're going to win 91 games. They're not going to get stuck in a wild card game because it doesn't exist anymore, but they'll be in a wild card series. They won't be a top two seed. You know, the Blue Jays are going to figure it out. And once they get in that best of three, like, does anybody have faith in the offense? Certainly not me. So it's a ways to go before I'm like ringing the bell and, and raising the panic button and losing a series to the Orioles on the road after playing, you know, games 8, 9, and 10 in an 8, 9, 10-day stretch. So the Yankees got no time off because of the opening day rainout. Not like playing nine games in a row would have been any easier, yeah. but 10 games in a row to start off the year. There's a lot going on there. Um, it's frustrating to watch. It's an impossible, like Joey Gallo, impossible watch. I'm not prejudging the team saying the season's over. I'm just saying it's very easy to get the same vibes as last year after having a spring training where the vibes felt very different and an opening series against the Red Sox where they punched back in the opener several times. They punched back in the second game. They took that. Pitching was amazing. Bullpen was incredible. And everybody's like, wow, all right. They did have a little fuck you. Game three, they blow, you know, every opportunity at a clutch hit. It's Aaron Hicks, who's having a great year, but can't has blown three extremely important clutch opportunities. And so it's like, well, I mean – both sides are annoying. Both sides of the discourse. People saying Aaron Hicks is a joke. No, Aaron Hicks' numbers are there. And then people saying, I don't understand how Yankee fans can be mad at Aaron Hicks because look at these numbers. Look at the moments. Like, doesn't hit with the bases loaded ever. Hits, hits like 150-something career with the bases loaded. Grounds into a huge double play in Friday night's game. Uh, first and second, no outs in Saturday night's game in the first inning. Steals third with Anthony Rizzo up. Like, you'll never see anything dumber than that. And not steals third on a pitch. Steals third just between pitches. And the pitcher sort of turns around and is like, well, that was nice. And then the two Red Sox ABs where the game could have been changed, second and third, one out, he popped out. That base is a little double play there too. It's like, isn't it possible to be both things? Can we be nuanced now? Like Aaron Hicks is having a great start to the year. It looks way better than I thought he would. But those, we're now up to four moments of calcified, like what the fuck are you doing? And, And like, it, it should be possible to acknowledge that Hicks has been way better than we thought. Yeah. And also those moments were pretty unforgivable and took two wins off the board. You should be able to say both things at this point. Um, yeah. Why can't the Yankees beat the Orioles? 677 OPS for the Yankees so far. It's their worst through 10 games since 1989. 1989, obviously a terrible season. Uh, I'm going to pull up the Nightingale tweet just because it's like, if it could wake up the Yankees, honestly, it could do better than anything has done so far in waking up the Yankees. Uh, since September 1st, 2020, the Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays have clobbered the Orioles 53-15. The Yankees since then are just 16-13 and 13 against the O's. And many of those are extremely damaging losses, which, you know, down the stretch, the Andrew Heaney game last year, we'll never forget it. Just endless series where, the, where it's like, now the Yankees can take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit and breathe and beat an Orioles team they need to beat to get back on track, and they just have not been able to do it. Maybe the tide turns now. The Yankees also lost the first series of the year to the Orioles in 2019 and then ended the year 17-2. and two. 
they never lost again. And that's why they won the East. But <coughs> this team's not that. That's it. It's not. The base running, too. That was another issue that you would think they might have tried to fix. Um, how many have we seen so far? We saw Gallo get thrown out at second on that rocket double off the wall where he walked out of the box and then decided to that, that was, was against <clears throat> yeah that was against that was the Red Sox I think um yeah, second, second then, game of the year they, they won that but still yeah okay, what are you doing? egregious for the start of the year especially that being a symptom of their lack of success they're they're they led the league last year in outs on the base paths and it wasn't even close um and then you have Anthony Rizzo getting hit with the ground ball in extra innings which is simply inexplicable I don't care how hard John Carlos Stanton's hitting the ball he also hit it to like the deepest part of the infield. It wasn't like a hot shot to like the third baseline where you couldn't get out of the way. Anthony Rizzo had plenty of time to get out of the way with that ball or judge where it was going. Um, you have Aaron Hicks stealing on that third. And then there was one other crazy one. Oh, um, Kiner Falefa going home, uh, getting thrown out at home plate on that. Oh no. Rizzo getting thrown out at home plate on the, uh, on the two run double on a Saturday, I think it was, or, Friday. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was. I just, like I said, I didn't watch. I yeah, just saw the highlights. Saturday night. Yeah. I was just like, Hey, good thing. I didn't watch. Cause all I needed are the highlights and I know exactly how this game is transpiring. It's a, it's a classic sim to the ninth inning and just, and put me out of my misery. So I don't have to continue watching this, but yeah, more of the same with the issues that we hope are going to get fixed. Um, at this point, it's, it's very discouraging to hear Aaron Boone, say what he says but like what else is he supposed to say i don't know what i would do if i was the manager of the team i barely have a problem with boone, yeah yeah like boone look my problems with aaron boone if there are any at this point is was he in charge of this decision to kind of have the starting rotation lagging behind which is now inexplicably 10 days in put pressure on the bullpen jonathan lawazigo was exhausted the other day or yesterday um, shouldn't have been in pitching at that point. Like how a role this Chapman looked really, really bad on Saturday night or Friday uh, night was Saturday night, Friday night. Every like, game, I don't, I don't, Yeah. Friday night. He looked terrible. Thursday was the one where Michael King saved his, uh, yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, as a guy, just, I, I think this is an, a worthwhile episode. I'm a guy just looking at Twitter highlights and then trying to dig deeper and as you can't guy. dig deeper because there's one or two runs scored every game and there's not much else in the box score to tell you a different story. So I'm sitting there just like, okay, I know, I know what this is. I've seen this story before I've sat through it. I've pulled my hair out in April, no sense in doing it right now, but yeah, I don't know how to fault Aaron Boone at this point outside of the outside of whatever decision it was to kind of have the starting rotation lag behind everybody else. Um, Or is it his call to take these guys out of the lineup when they don't yeah. need – why are we resting guys on a weekend? See, I know we played a lot of games in a row, but there's an off day on Monday. Um, there's no reason to not be putting out your best lineup in the first two games to beat the ever-loving piss out of one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I it's it's That's the confusing part to me. I don't know who's doing that is, um, and we're never going to get an answer for it, so we can keep talking about it and keep wondering what the deal is. Um, the Yankees won't be straightforward about it. Um, the reality of the situation is that the Yankees do have an out when explaining that kind of um, when navigating that, that question or that, uh, uh, that concern is because they have a deep lineup. You know, they have DJ LeMay who technically is a bench player. They have guys who they can shift. They have John Carlos San who could shift the DH or shift into the field and they could sit somebody else. So um it, it it's the reasoning is there, but it also just doesn't make sense because you don't want to bring up the same talking points and concerns that existed for an entire season and a half. We'll count 2020 as a half a season yeah. um, based on what they, what they did. So I don't, I, I just, I don't like the mentality with this team. And I think that that's always, that's always been the problem for me. I don't, th- I think Josh Donaldson was a step in the right direction for acquiring that type of personality and character, but one guy is not going to change an entire clubhouse around. One guy is not going to change the coaching staff's overall philosophy and thinking. Um, and it's certainly not going to change anything in the front office. Um, so, and it's more of an, and in the Yankees personnel acquisitions now are lending more, Critic- it's lending more of an opportunity for fans to criticize them because 
there were many holes after 2021 that were evident that the that the average fan could have pointed out. Yankee fans do a ton of complaining, a ton of unnecessary complaining. I understand yeah. it. I do it all the time. But at the end of the day, most of them know baseball. Most of them know how to diagnose a problem. A lot of fans were generally on the same page outside of like the little micro arguments about Gary Sanchez or Joey Gallo or Aaron Hicks, whatever it was. Everybody was aware that this team did not hit with runners in scoring position. This team did not have that that gumption late in games or that fire or passion when it was needed. And we're seeing more and more of that already. Didn't have defensive discipline, even though the team is built for kind of defense. I guess if you look at the lineup, like yeah. theoretically you have above average players at every position, but you're kind of not getting that production. Um, and then look, Anthony Rizzo has been performing well, but like, look at what Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson are, are doing at this point. Like that's always going to be a talking point now that that's what the Yankees decided to do. They decided to take the third best first base option that was available to them. They decided to not really upgrade at shortstop and leave your guy continuing to play in that position when he has no reason to. And I think that's another important thing to talk about. Why is Glaber Torres logging any reps at shortstop? Why? We saw what this was. We saw what this was, and they're doing it again. Why is it happening? Why? 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 Again, I mean, right back down to, what was it, eight minutes ago that we said we weren't going to get angry with with this early start? But Like, I'm, I'm not angry. And again, the Aaron Boone blaming and the like, someone has to be held accountable for all this. Like, I don't really know why it's Aaron Boone. Arguably, the only mistake he made this weekend was not going to Lucas Lickie when he had Loisaga on the ropes and just needed to get Rugnet Odor. But then he brought in Licky one batter later, and he was bad. So I, yeah. I can't even reasonably be like, what a huge, like, a pox on Boone's house. Like, I don't know. I, I think there are managers out there who are better suited to bring this team to the finish line than Aaron Boone. But so far through 10 games, I'm not seeing him as the main issue here nope. for culprit. Uh, the, the rotating lineups thing is the number one problem that a lot of fans have with this team, that I currently have with this team, because it does feel like every day somebody's sitting – Every day, the order is different. There are roles that are just unknown. People are showing up to the ballpark. Anthony Rizzo is leading off. Anthony Rizzo is batting third. You know, Anthony Rizzo is benched for the final game of the series. Uh, Who do we blame here? And and I think we blame Gleyber Torres in large part. Yeah. I I mean, it's not... It's not like... It's not like... They should have cut bait on Torres before the season began. I, I can't guarantee it. Like, the A's didn't want him, right? So it's not like there was an easy, we got to throw Glaber Torres to the Wolves. Like, <clears throat> time to cut another guy. Clint Frazier gone and Duhart AAA, Torres gone. Like, you don't feel good doing that. But every day, somebody has to sit so that Glaber Torres can play second base. They're yeah. bending over backwards to insert Glaber Torres and do a lineup. When he's done next to nothing to justify being the one who who the entire offense is bent around. Like, DJ LeMahieu has to sit so Glaber Torres can play. Right? Josh Donaldson has to sit so Glaber yeah. Torres can play. Mike Petriello yesterday. And people are just starting to pick this up piece by piece nationally. Like, I think a lot of people still think, well, of course they're benching people so Glaber Torres can play because he's one of the best young hitters in baseball. He's At second base, he's an overperformer. Mike oh, Petriello... Yesterday, people are just sort of watching now. He said, entering Sunday's game, Glaber Torres has a 699 OPS, 252, 333, 366, and 13 homers in 178 games over the last three seasons. What dot, dot, dot happened there? Now, I can't answer Mike's question. I don't know what happened there. We lost the juice ball, and that should take the home run count down from 38 to 22, but it shouldn't remove all power and all useful. I mean, 178 games. This is not the shortened 2020 anymore. It's a lot of games. 13 homers in 178 games with below average defense and below average confidence. I'm upset that it's, you know, it was just a week ago. It was last Friday that I was giving Glaber Torres like the game ball for the opening day walk-off win for coming in cold off the bench and tying the game with a sack fly. But there's just nothing fearsome about what Glaber Torres is doing. And we all know he's not a shortstop which hinders the overall roster construction because if he were a shortstop, you could sub him in in the seventh inning or you could play him there and give Isaiah Connor-Falefa a day off and you could go DJ Glaber Donaldson and it would be great, but we can't do that because we know he's not a shortstop now. Unfortunately, although we know that, he still ends up playing shortstop, like I said earlier, in a nothing-nothing game in the seventh inning. 
because they had to shuffle things around and, and he's just there again. And the Yankees made it such a point this offseason to say, we learned things we learned in 2021. The players are to blame and Glaber Torres can't play shortstop. All the same players are still there and Glaber Torres ends up in shortstop in crunch time situations. Explain that to me. I don't, I really don't know. And it's part of the concern where they are sticking with Glaber because it's financially advantageous because he's not making a lot of money. They're sticking with Glaber because the financial aspect of it does make sense if he's performing at the manner in which he did his first two seasons. But at this point, you look at Glaber Torres and it looks like you're probably getting somewhere in between how awful he's been over those last 178 games or whatever, because that's really a full entire season. Um, and his first two seasons, um, the Yankees offense overall in 2018 and 2019 was a, was very different. Um, it didn't really miss a beat aggressive hitters hitting for contact, hitting for power, um, smart on the base paths, um, overall different mentality. Savage is in the box. Like that feels like a century ago, in my opinion. Um, what is have some fuck you, by the way? Is, what, what does that mean? None of you have anything. It, it's the sleepiest offense. And Randy Wilkins was talking about this this morning, the uh, director of the Derek Jeter doc that's coming mm-hmm. out this summer. Can't wait for that. It's basically just saying, you know, diagnose whatever you want about this team. You know, talk about X, you know, Glaber isn't a shortstop. Aaron Hicks should be leading off, you know, whatever. They're boring. Yeah. They don't play enthusiastic baseball and they're boring to watch. And he and I went back and forth a little bit about whether a run prevention team is inherently boring because pitchers like Luis Severino are exciting. I agree. I love watching Luis Severino. I love watching Nestor Cortez Jr. I love good pitching as much as anyone. But the Yankees did go all in on pitching first. Great. A plus. Love pitching. And second, defense. A pitching and defense team is going to win a lot of games 2-1. And for a casual fan who's used to the Yankees tearing the cover off the ball, if the Yankees had had this pitching staff in 2019 or even 2015, maybe not 2015, they sucked. But 2017-19, you're probably looking at two championships. I understand the value of pitching. I I would rather have good pitching and average offense than average pitching and good offense, but I I need that offense to be average. And right now, it's built to be dull. No, and, and you're right, and I, you're right that Glaber's presence here does interrupt the full potential of what the offense can be. Um, once again, another guy who's moving between six, seven, five. Why can't? Why don't we have a spot for certain players? Why aren't there certain roles that are defined based on different guys' uh, capabilities? Um, I don't. I'm not entirely against alternating um, the leadoff spot just because some of those guys are going to need rest. Aaron Hicks is going to need rest. He's injury prone and you want to keep him off his feet. Anthony Rizzo probably should be slotting in some DH to, cause you got to make room for DJ, uh, DJ LeMahieu as well. Um, so it get, it gets a little bit confusing when you have this uh, big of a log jam, but then you look at Glaber Torres, he gets those innings at shortstop immediately makes an error Um if this continues, I, I just I can't see the Yankees hanging on to him past the deadline. Um, that's just my opinion. I don't know how much longer you could stomach this, especially when, like you said, bent over backwards to give it bats to somebody who has not proven he can provide the necessary production. DJ LeMayhew has been worlds better than Glaber Torres, even when he had an awful 2021 season and he was playing injured. Glaber Torres was fully healthy and just couldn't handle couldn't handle the pressure of playing a different position. Um, and now he's moved back to his native second base and you're expecting more of an output. You're not getting it. And then you have to wonder, Hey, is the, did the Yankees tell him he's also going to partially play shortstop and that might be affecting him again because he clearly doesn't like shortstop. It's evident. He is not like shortstop. He has not improved on any of the shortcomings he's had at the position. He's in- incredibly passive. Um, he takes his time with throws. Um, and he's he's noticeably nervous when he's making throws. He's trying to like aim his throws almost. It feels when I'm watching him. Um, there's absolutely no flow to his defense on that side of the infield, which is fine. Not everybody can play everywhere. 
and I sympathize with it. It's one of the hardest positions to play in the game, and you have the ghost of Derek Jeter back there, and you know the pressure just exists inherently being on the Yankees. Um, but the Yankees not reading the room here, and Torres continually just not delivering on what he needs to deliver. And like we said, doesn't need to be batting 320 with a 970 OPS, just can't be batting 161 with a 550 OPS through 10 games when you faced two mediocre pitching staffs. Probably, you know, Red Sox are a mediocre pitching staff at best. The Orioles staff sucks. Um, Orioles staff looked great, though. Orioles staff looked great. It did. It did, but they should suck theoretically. Yeah, they um, do and, suck. And the Blue Jays staff is good, but they have also underperformed to this point. Um, and Torres in the lineup every day against the Orioles and did nothing. Um, so the Yankees are going to have to come to terms with their investment here and have to, I don't know what you get for him at this point. I just don't think it matters. I don't think you're scared of him going elsewhere and performing better. Um, the You know, he's got – He's got two years of club control left. Like, if he's not getting it done now and he's interrupting your immediate window, then him going elsewhere and doing something really good for two years shouldn't matter to you. Um, and there are so many, there's so much middle infield depth here. Like, yeah. we're, we're already talking. I mean, we have DJ LeBay who signed long term. We have Josh Donaldson this year. We have Oswald Peraza hitting walk off doubles off the wall at AAA. Anthony Volpe hit a grand slam yesterday. Oswaldo Cabrera should be on the big league roster, and he's not. There are a lot of people who could be playing baseball for the New York Yankees at the same position as Glaber Torres right now who would not be causing the same sort of bizarre kerfuffle. Like, if you want to call up Oswaldo Cabrera and give him two starts a week, yeah, great. Glaber Torres has to play every day, and he's doing a terrible job of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know who you trade him to. I don't know what the return is. I mean, at this point, they're probably going to need another reliever when somebody eventually gets burned out based on the usage at this point. Um I would make a deal like that. Um, I don't I, look if anybody is on the Yankees and I'm stuck with them, I'm going to root for their turnaround. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also going to be realistic about the prospects of that turnaround. And I don't, you saw Glaber swing, a seemingly make an adjustment towards the end of last year. And then in spring training, I thought, yeah. And then, yeah. And then we hit the regular season this year and it's not really different at all. Um, I don't know. Once again, if the Yankees can't put their finger on the issue with some of these guys, especially a guy like Torres, who's actively taking playing time away from other people, which, you know, we could talk about that being a separate problem in itself. Usually having this much depth is a good thing for the Yankees because somebody will hit the IL and you will need you Mm -hmm. will need the replacement. You will need this formidable depth. But on a day to day basis, it's got to be Torres coming in and off the bench because look at it this way. If he's starting every day and taking starting reps away from players who are performing better than him and is performing poorly, his trade value isn't going to go up and you're still no. going to be you're still going to be operating at a loss. But if you play him part-time and he's still performing poorly, his trade value remains the same, not going anywhere. And if you play him part-time and he manages to come out of a, whatever is happening to him and gets in some sort of rhythm, you have an opportunity to increases trade value however much you think it's worth um i don't i don't i don't i don't i'm not opposed to selling players at a low because then you're just sitting there waiting for them to turn things around in an arbitrary manner oh glaber torres did was good once upon a time so he should be good again sometimes it doesn't happen sometimes players are good and then they're bad and they're they don't recover um so he's got to be the odd man out here as the season progresses they do have to explore some type of deal with somebody else if he continues to play like this and you're putting TJ on the bench multiple times a week, it just can't happen. Um, And they need to, they need to be more aggressive in who they're cutting bait with and who they're targeting because it's affecting what this team can do. Um, And if there is no, if there's no obvious reason for a turnaround, then you can't just sit there and hope that things are going to normalize. Oh yeah. The lineup will eventually do what it needs to do. Or will it just eventually do what it needs to do for two weeks and then we'll go back into this four-month slump? Like, you tell me. You, t- you, you tell me what you've been watching that's different from what we've been watching. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. 
And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. How about this one? How about how the Yankees obviously needed to bench somebody on opening day, that there were too many bodies for, for not enough spaces, and after a red-hot spring training, they went with Glaber Torres. They said, we're benching Glaber Torres for opening day at Yankee Stadium. Yes. The biggest, you know, huge ceremony, and he's the odd man out. And then a week goes by, and he's the one you can't take off the field. He's the one who must play every day. We have to bench Donaldson. We have to bench DJ to figure this out. Yes. I mean, what, what are we doing here? What, what has he proven in the last week? He proved in spring training he deserves a, a little bit more rope. Yeah, And then immediately coming out of opening day, he's proven that he doesn't, and now he's getting it. Like, it's completely backwards. It's the wrong message. So we talked about last year. We, the, the team in general sent the wrong message. Hal Steinbrenner having a press conference to say the players aren't getting the job done, I guess you could say it was a step in the right direction, but guys who were underperforming, guys who were making mistakes, there, was, there were no consequences. It was... Oh, but you're, you know, you should theoretically be good. So you're going to keep playing regardless of if you're in a one for 22 slump and have missed opportunities to bat guys in your last three times up or made an egregious base running error or um, made a defensive lapse in the field that cost us runs. There is, there's none of that. And Glaber Torres has done that on multiple occasions in every form. And there is no, there is no sign of discipline and it, it goes throughout the rest of the roster as well. So I don't know. I don't know what I don't, I, and that could go back to the messaging from the manager, from the coaching staff, from whatever it is, um, or who's leading the locker room. Like I said, I don't think one guy like Josh Donaldson comes in and changes the entire ethos of no. what's going on in there. Um, so I don't know how are the guys who used to be on our team performing elsewhere because they've had changes of scenery um, that Great. they might be benefiting from. Um, two guys in three guys in particular doing fairly well elsewhere, but, um, let's start with, let's start with, uh, let's start with who's performing badly. So we can at least talk positively about guys who were formerly on this team. Sure. Sure. But I would say the guys who are performing poorly are the ones I wished good things for. And the ones who are performing well are the ones where I'm rolling my eyes out of the back of my head going like, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) Clint Frazier is struggling so far. Uh, you know, not, terribly shocking but not because of Clint's true talent level because Clint was sliced off the Yankees roster couldn't play last year because he was still suffering side effects from concussion number two conservatively like we don't know how many post-concussion you know concussive events he went through he's hitting 167 to start the season three for 18 limited duty I wish all the best for Clint Frazier and so far so not good Luke Voigt with the San Diego Padres, an abysmal 176, 6 for 34, 14 strikeouts. Just very bad. 14 strikeouts. First series off hot, too. Yeah. And, and walks, too. He was taking walks, but 14 strikeouts and 34 official at bats. He's bad in cleanup, too, often for a Padres team that seems to have very similar complaints to what Yankee fans are putting forth right now. Not very exciting without Fernando Tatis Jr. Manny Machado, sort of like the the Giancarlo Stanton-esque centerpiece of that team, getting a lot of run, not a lot of joy to be had, but good pitching. So they're winning a lot of 2-1 games. They won one on Sunday Night Baseball, and Luke Voigt in the cleanup spot, very familiar stuff. Gary Sanchez, normal bad, 246 for 25 with a bomb entering Monday's action. Didn't do much in that game either. Gio Rochella, same deal, 227, 5 for 22 with one bomb. Do you want to talk us through your boy, Andrew Heaney? Oh, man. Oh, man. Andrew Heaney dominating with the Dodgers. It's only two starts. It's only two starts. And we've seen this type of success from Andrew Heaney in the past. He yes, has, we have. yes, we have. Yes, yeah, we have. We have. So it's not anything crazy. Um, when he was with the Angels, he would go in spurts of delivering quality starts and striking out 10 batters. And, oh, my God, like, what is what is going on here? You hit the um, Red Sox last year. Oh, my God, Andrew. Yeah. We did it. We unlocked him. He's here. Well, yeah. Now he's with the Dodgers. Two starts. It is the Reds and the Twins. I know it's nothing overly impressive. Ten in the third innings, not exactly giving you the best length, but 16 Ks already. He has, like, a 37% uh, called strike whiff percentage which Mm -hmm. is pretty damn good 
Um, and uh, he introduced a new slider. Um, it, it's he's always thrown a slider. He's thrown fastball, slider, changeup. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with his old slider was that it was flat. Now it's a big sweeper, which is apparently a thing in the Dodgers system with Blake Trinan, um, Ryan Pepio, and uh, one of the other relievers. I, I forgot who it was. Um, nonetheless, they throw this sweeper that has a ton of movement. Um, and the issue with Heaney, obviously, was not only his location, but just the general flatness on his pitches. If he wasn't able to locate um, – his fastball and throw off hitters with their sight lines, then he was just batting practice. Now in these first few games, he's locating the fastball tremendously and a slider moves so much that it's difficult for hitters to decipher. Um, and then, and the other, um, the other thing to note is that he's throwing that slider um, 48 for 48% of his pitches or 49% of his pitches. Fastball is like 48% um, change up 3%. Again, only two games. That's going to normalize. It's probably not going to be the same. But no, those it won't. Longer- it won't normalize. It will never normalize. It will be exactly <laughs> this good the entire time. Um, it gives me great anxiety. But please continue. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, it seems that the unlocking here was not with the fastball spin or with the curveball spin or, or or whatever spin it was. It was with creating more movement with his ability as a lefty with his Mm -hmm. secondary pitches. Um, Because if your slider's not moving enough, what is it? It's just like a bad fastball. It's just like an 86-mile-an-hour fastball getting grooved into the barrel of your bat. Um, You've you've watched guys pitch before. You kind of know when somebody doesn't have their stuff. Um, And Heaney already, we laughed at the Dodgers. We still could end up laughing at the Dodgers. They paid $8.5 million Mm -hmm. for Andrew Heaney to take over the fifth spot in the rotation – after they had lost guys like Trevor Bauer, who's probably not going to play for them again. Max or who, who thinks he's Trevor Bauer thinks he's wandering into the clubhouse this week. So just, just don't, don't count your horses. Uh, count your horses? Uh, count your chickens before they hatch. Trevor Bauer thinks he's walking onto the roster in the next week or so, uh, hoping for a Republican federal judge to strike down the Dodgers' very uh, unconstitutional ban of Trevor Bauer. So we'll keep you updated on that very important situation. Uh with Max Scherzer leaving the Dodgers as well with Dustin He's May gone. going He's down. Gone. They're, they're not getting Max Scherzer yeah, back. They're not getting him back. So they bring in Andrew Heaney on this one year, eight and a half million dollar deal. And you're like, and that was their first move out of the offseason. And it was early. It was like, yeah. it, it was, it was within one. a week. It was within a week of the, you think it was day one? I think it was, it was literal day one, but I can check I, it out. I wouldn't doubt it. Cause I remember it being so early that I was shocked. And I'm like, the Dodgers like paying for this and they have like other guys to work. They got to bring back Kershaw. They got to talk with Kenley Jansen. Um, they got to figure out an extension for Trey Turner. Like, and they're going to invest eight and a half million dollars in Andrew Heaney, who just had a career worst season and a mm-hmm. team as analytically driven. And look, the Yank Matt Blake has proven that he is a pitching coach. He's a very good yeah. pitching coach. Oh, yeah. Um, after what he did with that rotation last year, the Dodgers still investing that money after Matt Blake couldn't do anything with Andrew Heaney, who gave up what 13 home runs and 35 and two thirds innings. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. We could end up laughing at this move, but right now, Andrew and we don't, and the Yankees don't need Andrew Heaney. So it's not like anybody's sitting in the back of, you know, it's there. You're not sitting at the edge of your shower crying with your hands in your knees, but you think, Hey, what if Andrew Heaney had like three more okay performances last year? Then we're not playing the wild card game in Boston. Andrew Heaney doesn't give up four earned runs in one third of an inning against the Orioles. That's probably the difference guys. That's, mm-hmm. that's probably, so that's the frustrating stuff that you look at. And now you have Dodgers fans who once again, I'll sign off on it among the worst in all of sports, just terrible discourse the most need like complaining about everything like Yankee fans complain. Yes. But Dodgers have won more recently have been to the playoffs for like a decade straight and have been one of the best teams in baseball for a decade straight without really a hitch outside of choking here and there in the playoffs complaining about everything. And now they're talking about how clean uh, about how Andrew Heaney could be a version of Clayton Kershaw, which is just not true. Um, but Hey, rooting for Heaney. Hopefully he continues to do well, but man, not looking good for the Yanks there. The enduring memory I'll have of Andrew Heaney was trying to kick my feet up and relax for 0.5 seconds during the stretch run of 2021, knowing that the Yankees were up 7-4 on the Orioles in the seventh inning of a home game, 
Gary Sanchez had a huge bomb in that game. It was kind of going back and forth, but it seemed like it stabilized a little bit. Obviously, a three-run lead with the Yankees' strong bullpen is usually more than enough with three innings to go at home. And somebody just very innocently trying to be nice earnestly asked me. Literally, I've been looking at my phone all day. I put it down for five seconds, and somebody goes, what did Andrew Heaney just do? He's trending. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. And I opened it, and it was like the game was already tied. Again, it could not have been longer than six minutes. I was like, I, I appreciate the earnest reach out, but you know why he's trending. You, you already know. Um, the other of note, ex-Yankees, the, the strong performances, and we have to say, by the way, Urshela and Sanchez led the uh, Minnesota Twins to a victory over the Boston Red Sox today at, uh, at Fenway Park. It's kind of a weird one. Uh, 11 o'clock start. I feel like the Red Sox, you probably want to win that. Gio Urshela went three for five in that game. Ooh. In the three hole. Gary Sanchez went 0 for four with a walk in the uh, five hole and caught. Uh, but successful game on the mound. So good for Gary. The other winner so far, Corey Kluber, 1.86 ERA in nine and two thirds innings. You, you all knew he was going to do that for the Rays, but nine and two thirds innings and two starts. Again, I'm kind of just like, Whatever. Did, did we want to be babying Corey Kluber through the 2022 season, or do we want to yeah. move on? I, I'd rather move on. And for what Kluber cost last year, he taught Michael King his breaking ball. Michael King is like the best bullpen weapon the Yankees have. It's like New York Garrett Whitlock through two weeks. Uh, you can quote me on that. Probably don't, though. Don't quote me on that, because as soon as I say it, it won't be true. But <laughs> he's been a breeze at getting out of jams. That curveball is disgusting, and it's finally a new out pitch for Michael King. He used to rely on the fastball. Also yes. up the velo on the fastball, and he learned that from Corey Kluber. I'll pay the Kluber price for last year, 10 times out of 10 to get this version of Michael King. Uh, but again, Rays, you know, enjoy Kluber. While you're... The Rays look like an average team, too, right now. Uh, blew some big fat ones to the Oakland A's. Uh, who else did they blow one to before that? They, they looked, uh, I mean, all they did was sweep the Orioles. They're 5-5, they're five and five and they started off 3-0. and oh. So, snoozer from the Rays. Snoozer from everybody. Red Sox are 5-5, five and five, Yankees are 5-5. Five and five. Everybody's a 500 team, but only the Yankees have struggled against the Orioles so far. And that's why we're kind of upset. And the other big winner, gee, it sure would be nice to have a backup shortstop. We have Marvin Gonzalez who never plays. We have Glaber Torres who gets thrown in short. Again, in tie games in the seventh inning, on the road, Tyler Wade, who stole 17 yeah. bases in 103 games last year, hitting 364, 8 for 22, two stolen bags so far. For the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, perfect backup shortstop numbers. Pretty good starting shortstop numbers. Do I think it's going to hold up? No. Would I start Wade if he were a Yankee? No. Should Angels fans be doing victory laps after, uh, you know, arguably a lost decade with the best player in baseball? No. Did we have to cut Tyler Wade loose for a Rule 5 draft that never happened? Could we maybe use him on the roster now? Yes, we could obviously use this. This production would be great. Would have been awesome. And that was one of the most confusing moves for me. The Yankees have been loving saving money. Tyler Wade's making like $800,000 this year. Um, they clearly had a role for him off the bench as a defensive option in the later innings um, and a, uh, a pinch runner um, in the later innings. So the role was carved out. And yeah, he had his pretty embarrassing moments where um, he got thrown out a couple of times on the base paths and with inexplicable decisions. Um, he made a couple of misplays in the field. It kind of happens to everybody. I get it. Um, but then he finally turns it around, gets decent amount of playing time, hits almost 270, nothing entirely impressive with the 677 OPS, but like you didn't need, you just needed someone who could play shortstop and like put bat on ball. Like that was it. And you would have had to not make as big of a maneuver as you did um, in that trade with the twins. And if you weren't going to upgrade at shortstop, Tyler Wade could have been your guy. He could have flexed in at second base corner outfield spots, and then Marvin Gonzalez could have filled in as well. It could have been a platoon situation. Or you just bring up one of the young guys, and it's Tyler Wade and one of the young guys, and everybody's having a good time um, for a fraction of what, you know, even Isaiah Connor fluff I'm not saying he's a waste of money, but, you know, making four between 4 and $5 million, you get two players that can produce similarly to that um, for a fraction of the cost. I don't know how that's not up the Yankees' alley. Um and the funniest part about this all is, once again, the Yankees talked all offseason about getting more athletic, getting faster, um, or getting more athletic in the agility speed department, which they entirely weren't. And one of their first moves was getting rid of their fastest player who steals the most bases um, and is versatile on defense. Um, so best of luck of Tyler Wade living his best life in L.A., I'm sure. Um, 
looking My great God. out there. Good for him. He's going to be so TikTok famous so quickly. The, the, the Tyler <laughs> Wade, well, no, he won't because the Angels are in Anaheim and not LA. So he's basically going to be in Anaheim waving, being like, you know, Charlie D'Amelio, like, I'm, I'm also in LA if you want to. And she's like, no, this is a different city entirely. Um, he is the one that is most perplexing to me only because, like you said, the Yankees value athleticism all of a sudden and now he's gone. The Yankees value speed all of a sudden and now he's gone. The Yankees also spent like five years harboring Tyler Wade on the roster when he was hitting 190 with no power and refused to yeah. even entertain the idea of getting rid of him. And then all of a sudden he sort of had this mini breakout last year, mini breakout, not, you know, he wasn't good. He had a 90 OPS plus below league average offensive player, but he was a totally competent backup shortstop and he got into 103 games last year. Yeah. So for the first time in a long time, the Yankees were like, we figured out how to use Tyler Wade He's winning. He's helping us win ball games, or at least we think he is. And then that offseason, they're like, he got to go. Miguel Andujar's got to stay, but he's got to go. Perplexing. Two million dollars to sit in AAA. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. I, I, I will not understand it. And, yeah, Tyler Wade being let go. Another one of those things where it's like you hang, you hang on to this guy, you watch all the bad years, you see some sort of turnaround, and then you cut bait. And we've seen it with so many other players. Or we've seen to them, or we've seen them just hold on for somebody for too long in general, waiting for something that they're just not going to get. Um, frustrating. Hate to keep talking about this, but this is what's going to happen in the early going when the sample sizes aren't entirely evened out. And we'll you're keep looking giving at you updates. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're just you're looking at the sample sizes of players who the Yankees used to have. And then looking at, oh, what are the problems the Yankees have this year? Oh, so some of the guys they got rid of could have very much filled pitching depth needs, even though that's not you know a priority right now, or middle infield needs, which is a very big priority right now, especially when if they got rid of Tyler Wade and signed Corey Seager, completely different story. They got rid of Tyler Wade and made an unnecessary trade, which is still it's still going to be viewed in that lens because Brian Cashman said we had to get creative because we couldn't spend the amount of money that Mm-hmm. these other free agents were costing so they had to get creative so they had to get rid of a cheaper option and acquire a maybe just as good option for four or five times the price and inherit a ton of salary from a third baseman who's only going to be here for a couple of years and got rid of another cost-effective option in Gio Rochella so yeah um, I'm not have against seen, what they've done but there are <laughs> I'm not against what they have done, but you could see the holes here and why people would be frustrated in the early going. But like I said, I'm here to talk about it. I'm here to be level headed about it. I will not start freaking out or yelling on this show for another six weeks. No, it's a division full of five and five teams. They've all played like it. They've all had their moments. They've all had their struggles. It's hard to be more discerning than that. Other than like we said earlier, pitching a defense team, it is boring currently. First 10 games, quite boring. And to lose the momentum coming out of that great last Jays game where you shut down Vlad Jr., where you have Severino on the mound, you got the Michael King ending. And to take that into Baltimore is very frustrating. But we are going to keep it level-headed for now. That is it for this Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review along the mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer that. And join us live in the chat, 2 o'clock Eastern, Mondays and Thursdays, live on YouTube. We'll probably be here more often during big games. We've got big things coming, and we're going to announce some stuff in the coming weeks. For now, though, join us at those times. You can prepare for those. Or we might hit you with another sneak attack after a big game. We're both going to try to be around. You'll hear us whenever the Yankees uh, merit it. When the Yankees do things that require us to go live, we're going to go live. (laughs) Next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the very friendly people find you at tommy's underscore takes um at this rate if the yankees keep playing at this boring pace we're not going to have any post game shows it's just gonna no. be like if you know what happened playing. you saw what happened you saw it um happened. guys head on over to yanksyard.com plenty of content there for you we're having a good time with it uh talk to us in the official yanks go yard twitter account at yanks go yard fs and speaking of twitter dude one thing that i didn't get to get off my chest because it was last week was jeff passon's tweet after Vladdy at the stadium. Unbelievable. I what was is like, that? What in go- Vladimir Guerrero Jr. walked into Yankee Stadium, faced the highest paid pitcher in history, launched 1,286 feet worth of home runs, and left the stadium with a double and a share of first place for Toronto. King Maneuver, 
after the sixth game of the season, he did follow up on it and had a tweet about him striking out four times the night after, but this is what we're doing six games in. We're going to be crowning people as kings, and and we're going to be and, and meanwhile, Yankee fans are talking about how this is the worst version. This is a worse version of the 2021 team. Like everyone's got to chill, dude. A everyone's share of the chill. AL East. A share, a share of, of the AL East. Was even a twelfth? It wasn't even if it, even if it was a sole possession of the AL East. April April thirteenth. April fourteenth. Get out of here. You know they're the better team anyway. If they take the AL East, it's expected. They are the favorites to take the AL East. There is no no glamour in the Toronto Blue Jays defeating the New York Yankees and taking first place in the AL East. And there's no glory in the Toronto Blue Jays rocking Garrett Cole. It's been pretty pretty, uh, commonplace at this point. They've taken advantage of Garrett Cole multiple times. It's not like this is anything new, so... Even even the even the most esteemed people in this industry can get a little bit ahead of ourselves. I had to bring that up because I saw that I was half drunk and I was just like, how how is this how is this a talking point right now? Yeah, we gotta we gotta hype up the young players of the game, but everyone already knows how good Vladdy is. Him hitting three home runs at Yankee Stadium isn't exactly shocking. And doing that this early in the season just doesn't matter. So keep your takes to yourself, folks. Um, unless it's us writing hot takes for you to click on and have fun with, uh, that's our job and that's what we got to do. Um, but we're going to keep it as tame as we possibly can because we're 10 games in There's a lot of season left, a lot of time for this to normalize. Um, everyone hated Aaron Hicks, uh, four days ago, five days ago, and now he's batting three thirty three with an eight fifty something, eight eighty two OPS or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so things are going to figure themselves out. Um, and I think at this point, the Yankees are going to have to be aggressive with personnel moves because they're not going to be able to afford more outrage with the same problem. So um, keep applying the pressure where needed, but don't work yourself up into a frenzy. We can't have that. Um, keep yourself calm until Thursday. We'll talk to you again 2 p.m. that day. Uh, maybe some good news. Maybe some good news after the series Series in Detroit. What do you think? Yeah, we promise we'll be here. I, I don't like playing the Tigers, but then yeah, I look across the board. I don't really like playing anybody. Like I don't like Hate playing, playing the Orioles. I, I mean, I, I briefly, I, I spent two seconds being like, man, it's gonna be nice to play the Orioles after the Jays and Red Sox to start the year. And then the game started. Like they just opened curtain on the Camden Yards, and I was like, oh <laughs> right, they, these games all look the same. Like this looked a lot like that series in the, in the end of 2020 when like it was a four game set in Baltimore. They couldn't score at all. Uh, Eric Kratz was catching. Dean Kramer was mowing him down. Like Dean Kramer, <laughs> felt like that. It felt like that all over again. So I hate going to. I hate going to Detroit. I hate going there in April. I think they have a chance to take two out of three. But you know, again, they they they've by and large handled their business other than this Orioles series. So we're down on them because we just watched them go to Baltimore. But they've handled their business. I think they could. I think Garrett Cole oh, needs yeah. a big start in, in the opener in Detroit. I, I think. Least controversial statement of all time. They pay me for these opinions. Garrett Cole, after two tough starts, needs a big start on the road. Tuesday night against Scott Alexander. What is this guy's first name? Tyler Alexander. Yeah. Tyler Alexander, five and a third innings, 506 ERA, 4Ks. It's probably going to buzzsaw us, but we we could use six shutout from Garrett Cole. That would be great. Six and one run. I'll take that. Six and two runs, I'll take that. But that's the highest number of runs I'll, I'll yes, take. No, no, more than, no more than two. All right. We'll see you on Thursday. Peace. Let's go yank. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.